So, Scott, have you seen the short track highlights or anything at all? Yeah, I saw the the highlight. The highlight. The singular highlight. highlight. The one, one that you highlight. Needed, the one that you needed to see. But how the, far back did that highlight go? Like, did you just see Chris Blevins crashing into the rock, or did you see like the last lap? Uh, I think it was like the last lap. <laughs> okay. What up, party people? We've got an episode filled with highs and lows today. We start off covering the tragic loss of Suli Kanganji, who suffered severe injuries while racing the Vermont Overland this past weekend. Suli was stateside for a one-month block of racing as team leader for Team Imani from East Africa. Suli's teammates John Kariuki and Jordan Schleck did go on to win and take third in the event in honor of their dear friend, but that was not a victory that would fill the gaping hole that was left at the end of the event. Then we covered some of the highs and lows that took place at Mountain Bike World Championships, including Chris Blevins crashing out in the final moments while trying to defend his short track title, Tom Pidcock crashing out of contention in the cross-country race, and Nino Scherter winning his 10th World Championship title. If you have any questions or feedback for the show, find us on Instagram and send us a DM. That's Scott McGill Jr., Dylan Johnson, and Adam Saban Six. All right, let's get this bonk roast party started. What are, well, what are hurry you up eating? and eat, man. What are you eating? My last chip. All right. You're eating so, chips, dude? Do you even take cycling sauce, seriously? Hot sauce on the chip. Oh, chip. my. Wait, it, it's what hot kind sauce of chips flavored chips, or you're putting hot, your own hot sauce on the chip? It's just a normal tortilla chip, and you just put a little bit of hot sauce on it every bite. Instead of salsa? <laughs> you can't afford salsa these days, or what? I don't. I just don't have any. It's all I can find to eat. <laughs> wow. No, I've been making some some bomb salsa. You make your you own. Make your own salsa. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Sweet, dang well, dude. Now right. you know every person has tomatoes, right? Because it's like tomatoes. Why? Season. Oh, okay. Because people I didn't even plant know. like ten tomato plants, and then they have like forty pounds of tomatoes to do nothing with for like two weeks. Mm. At least that is how it is around here. Yeah, so I, I did. I planted so many tomatoes, dude. My whole yard is just full of tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Scott, so we know that Dylan's been beating up on kids all weekend. So let's start with you, man. What, what have you been up to other than making your own salsa? <laughs> Me? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting ready for this race. Which one? Maryland race? Cycling Classic. Oh, is that a big one? Yeah. Neither of us have heard of it, so sounds good. You guys should look it up. It's a, it's a pro series one day race. So okay. it's like, you know, there's world tour and then pro series sure. races. How so long is it? Is team going or just you? I'm doing it with the U.S. national team. Oh, cool. Oh, sick. Okay. So, like, the world tour teams are EF, Trek, Bike Exchange, and Israel. Whoa. And then a bunch of other. Continental and pro continental teams. How long is it? Sweet. It's like 120 miles. Okay. And nice. it does like like you start sprint finish. Um, depends how it's raced. Okay. The, the first well, half for your it, sake, hopefully it's a sprint finish. Maybe I don't know. There's I mean like Gronovagen's coming and like Michael Matthews, so some pretty good sprinters. Yeah, but like I mean, even with those guys, you need it to be a sprint finish in order to get a good result. Am I wrong? Yeah. 
yeah, that's probably my best chance of getting a result is in the sprint finish. But it, the first half is like pretty hilly, like all like rolling steep climbs. And then you go down into the city and it's like city circuits, which are like, you know, a lot of turns, but it's not yeah. a lot of elevation. So sure. we'll see. How many, how many circuit laps will you do? I think it's four laps of like seven miles or something. Okay, sweet. So like the second half of it is pretty flat-ish, but not, you know, we'll see how it goes. Depends how it's raced. Yeah, I gotcha. You've done it before? The race? Yeah. No, it's a brand new race. Oh, no wonder we haven't heard of it. (laughs) Yeah, no wonder you've never heard of it. Is it going to be televised? Yeah, it'll be on GCN and like the local news channel and shit. Yeah, you can watch it on GCN. Sweet. I definitely have a GCN subscription. You don't have a GCN (laughs) subscription? That's the one Uh, you should have. And that brings us to my next point is slow bike trucks. I I completely agree with that. I (laughs) hope they go out of business soon. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. They're terrible. And they put like, like every World Cup race you can watch on Red Bull TV, right? For Mm -hmm. free. And then, of course, the World Championships, the one time I, like, actually, like, really want to watch it, and I get on Red Bull, and it's like, oh, you can't watch it in the United States. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. a, the UCI's fault. So, yeah, that's dumb. For some reason, Adam just disappeared. I don't know where he went, but we'll just continue on. Yeah, dude. Um, and also, I don't know if we already talked about this on the podcast or not, but uh, Flow Bikes bailed out of the Lifetime Grand Prix coverage. Is that why they canceled it? Canceled what? The coverage. Because of Flow Bikes? Or was it like too Yeah, because of Flow Bikes. Bikes. I mean, Flow Bikes was doing the coverage. That's why they don't have coverage, because Flow Bikes bailed. I think they sent us an email and they said something to the effect of, uh, like, it's very hard to film these gravel and mountain bike races because they're out, out there in the middle of nowhere. Which well, no makes- fucking shit. You knew that before <laughs> you signed up for this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it would I'll, it would have been tough for them to cover Leadville, for sure. Um, I mean, there's a lot of sections. Like, if they had a moto or something, there's a lot of sections in that course where Keegan would be going way faster than the moto would be able to. Yeah, I mean, you that's know what I mean. Probably like the descents. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, sure. Right. So, I don't know. Um, they were kind of, dude, they were, they were super hard to work with as well. Like, I would ask, I would send them an email asking for footage that I could use on my YouTube channel. And, you know, this is going to be a mutually beneficial arrangement here, like, you give me footage to use on my YouTube channel. I make a YouTube video and then, you know, tens of thousands of people see it and I plug flow bikes and then you get a bunch of new flow bike subscribers. Like this is a no brainer here. And they, they literally wouldn't even respond to my emails. Yeah. That's so. Yeah. They suck. Adam, you're back. Dude, I don't know what just happened. Mm-hmm. My internet just right. like completely stopped. Okay, well, we were just talking about flow bikes and how what a wonderful company they are. Yeah, you've got a subscription. Why do you subscribe? Yeah, I I subscribed because I raced um, 
cyclocross nationals and Allie really wanted to watch um, the live feed from home because she couldn't go because she had gotten sick or something. So, mm-hmm. so I like, I don't know. I just signed up for the year, I guess. Cool. Well, now I know somebody who's got a subscription. Yep. <laughs> what have you been up to? You've been racing? Uh, we did like a little, uh, local race this past weekend. We put on, um, we called it like a trail festival, but it was really just like an Omnium mountain bike race, um, at our local trails. So that was fun. Nice. That's where we were talking tires before this, but that's where the tire conversation oh, came from. Oh yeah, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually pretty sick. We did Friday night. We did a 30 minute grass crit on mountain bikes. And then we did on Saturday, we did a hill climb eliminator. Um, and then yesterday was the XC race. What was the, uh, what was the hill climb thing? Like, like what was the format? Yeah. So we didn't get as much of a turn as big of a turnout as we were hoping to, but it was supposed to be like qualifying heats. And then, uh, finals were, were going to be a four up, uh, finals. So it was like a 40 minute, 40 second long climb up this like grass sledding hill climb. Um, so we ended up doing four person qualifying heats and then that just advanced straight into the finals after that. Nice. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty sweet though. So like in Wait, years past, we, bike? yeah, I was on a mountain bike. You had to use the same bike all weekend. Oh. Um, and in years past, we had like last year we had done, instead of the hill climb eliminator, we did it as a hill climb time trial. Uh, so just, you know, one person on the course and just as fast as you can get up the hill. Uh, this was way more fun and way more tactical. I actually lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, I did like 960 Watts for 40 seconds and still lost by like wow. a bike length. Holy crap. I didn't know you could do that. I, I yeah. I mean, I just got it. Is that a lot of Watts? I don't even know what my one minute power is. I wasn't listening. I wasn't. Listening. <laughs> I wasn't. What did he say? <laughs> he said how many I wasn't listening. I was like, it was 960 for 38 seconds. Sounds like a lot to me. <laughs> I mean, it was uphill. Yeah, so like, you know, like you're yeah, at sure. max resistance the whole time. And grass. Yeah. Yeah. Is grass better or? I don't know. <laughs> well, like, you know, like, like in a, in in a sprint on the road, like, like, you know, you're, you're kind of winding up. Right. But you're not just like constantly in resistance. Like there's a little bit of lulls. So like, I don't know. I feel like when you're just going straight up a grass hill, like there's so much resistance that you can just kind of be on the pedals the whole time. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was sweet. Um, yeah. Dylan, I, some- I know that. I did some local racing as well. And apparently I can't post about my local races on Strava anymore because people just just shit on me for beating up on locals or kids or guys in t-shirts or whatever. (laughs) I mean it it was a little embarrassing, right? (laughs) Like just just the podium picture. Like you could have at least changed out of your kit and like worn something cool like those kids. Sure. Yeah. The dude who got second was 18 and the dude who got third was, I don't know, probably 20. So they were def- they were young for sure. But, you know, you can only beat the competition that shows up, right? Was this like, um, like, did you beat him by a lot? Six minutes. 
Why didn't you just like make it a race and just beat them by like 30 seconds? <laughs> they get like, well, in- dude, I don't want to leave it to a sprint finish. The dude who got second is probably like 20 you pounds sprinted. heavier. You sprinted yourself. I saw a video of it. Yeah, well, I was I was actually trying to break my own course record, and I did break my own course record. So, you know, I got to sprint to the line, get that course record. Was this like, like, did you like attack them up a hill or something? Or are you just like... No, I had absolutely no tactics whatsoever. I literally got to the front uh, as soon as the race started and just pulled semi-hard the entire race. Okay. It was also at the end of a, like a block week, so I... I'd gone hard for four days before that. Um, and I, I did something that I never usually do on day three of the block week is I went for a KOM and I got it. I got the 276 KOM, which probably means absolutely nothing to most people listening, but the 276 KOM is probably the hardest KOM to get in the Brevard area. Did you get the actual climb or the whole thing? I got from the fish hatchery to the parkway. Oh, from the fish hatchery. That's the climb, you know. I guess, but it doesn't, like, the actual climbs from, like, the cradle of forestry to the, you know. No, that's, like, halfway up, dude. Yeah, but there's a bunch of descents before that. No, there's not. There's, like, yeah. some flat parts. The dude who had it was uh, Cameron Cogburn. You guys know who that? that is? He's, he's won no Mount idea. Washington Hill climb, like, twice. So check this out. I'm about to I'm about to mention arrow bars for the tenth episode in a row. Uh, Cameron Cogburn is lighter than me and did more watts than me, and I went 16 seconds faster than him. So do we know how I did that? I mean, since you said something about arrow bars, I'm guessing you had arrow bars. (laughs) I I rode in arrow bars for the first half of the climb when it's not that steep. How fast were you going, though? uh, I think the average speed for the entire climb was 16 miles an hour or something. Okay, that's pretty fast. So at the bottom, I was probably doing 17 or 18. Hmm. Yeah. Did you... Before you got to the actual climb without the flat parts, did you take <laughs> your arrow bars off and throw them on the side of the road? No. Why would? It, what do you mean? Like a get de- lighter? detachable arrow bars? Because the climb gets way steeper the last 15 minutes. Is That's steep. true. I didn't do that. You should have done that. Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry. Yeah, I wonder how you'd, you'd have to like have uh, clip-on bars that had like a quick release or something. Yeah, they should make your Allen key out. I was watching in Portugal. I was watching a dude adjusting his saddle in the middle of the race with an Allen key. Yeah, Um, I've definitely seen videos down and like fiddling with it. Definitely seen videos of guys doing that. (laughs) Everyone stops to take a piss. You can stop and adjust your seat in the same amount of time. (laughs) Where did you get a tool from? The car. Oh, Hmm. yeah, it's sketchy. Um, so Dylan, was that like, was that like a max effort? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Those was as hard as I could go. Okay. So like the, the arrow bars were key in this. Yeah. A hundred percent. They were, I would not have gotten the record without the arrow bars. The arrow bars probably got me a minute faster on the climb. So if I hadn't used them, I probably would have been like 45 seconds off. 
I can't believe you're using arrow bars to go for Strava cycling. So what are, what are you more proud of? <laughs> what are you more proud of? Getting a hill climb KOM with arrow bars or beating a couple teenagers in a gravel race? <laughs> Dude, well, the guy, the guy who who had the KOM has won Mount Washington hill climb twice. So I think I'm more proud of that, to be honest with you. I mean, I use the arrow bars to beat the well, kids. Well, you're using the, deductive reasoning to say that you well, could win so. the Mount Washington that's hill not, climb now? It's not what I'm saying because I definitely <laughs> wouldn't be able to use arrow bars at Mount Washington hill climb. By the way, Mount Washington hill climb just happened and uh, Phil Guyman won it. He's still doing that? I guess. I thought he was retired, but apparently not. Unless it's a hill climb, right? Who's that other guy that that's been like t- taking down all of his KOMs from Cal- or from Texas or something like that? I honestly have no idea. To Scott, like, do you know he he races on the road too? Wait, wait, who, what are you talking about, dude? Scott, <laughs> God, tune in, I man. That is Strava. I was looking at his Strava. <laughs> um, Bill Guymans. Who's no, yeah? Who who's the guy? Who's the guy that's been taking fit, like all the big KOMs now? Like recently, like in the last, like I think it was over COVID, maybe, but like in the last year or two, Drake Duel. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he's got his own drone that like follows him, and he makes videos about. Does it. he have a YouTube channel? Yeah, well, I mean, he's got like a channel, but like everyone who has a Gmail account has a channel, right? Okay, well, <laughs> does he post videos regularly? Yeah, I think uh, so. Not regularly, but but yeah. I think he's he's done some videos, or like people have yeah, done videos of him. Cool. Okay, I've never actually watched one; I've just seen. Hmm. clips um was he there though did he do the washington hill climb i honestly don't know i don't know anything about mount washington hill climb uh this year except that i follow phil guyman on instagram and Hmm. i saw that he won it okay yeah because from what i've what i've seen is that drake duel guy's been like putting phil guyman to shame with some of his koms does this guy race or he's just KOM. Yeah, I think he races too. Yeah, he races. Yeah. He was like a he was like a Harvard rower before he got into cycling. Yeah, dude. The um uh why can't I think of his name off the top of my head right now? The guy who rides for Pinarello. I raced for Brennan. Brennan Wirtz. Brennan Wirtz. He uh he was a rower. Um apparently like at the you know, elite world level. Yeah. Um, and he is a huge guy. I don't know how much he weighs, but I mean, considering how fast he goes uphill, his FTP is probably like 450 at least. No, it's speculated over 500. What? Over yeah. 500. Yeah. How much does he weigh? He weighs you know a lot. I think he weighs like 90 kilos or, or 80 some kilos. Yeah. He's a huge dude. Well, if you were, yeah, I mean, if you were, yeah, if you were 90 kilos, you would have to be at 500 watts in order to, uh, I don't know, climb as fast as he can climb. Because like, for example, at the, at the end of BWR Asheville last year, he, he dropped Russell Finsterwald up the last climb and Russell Finsterwald's FTP is probably, you know, six watts per kilo. Yeah, maybe slightly less than that. So, yeah, no joke. Wow. Scott, are you drinking piss over there? No, oh, Gatorade. <laughs> Why do it you looks have like a you jug pissed in a bottle and then you're Gatorade, drinking? dude? 
I don't know, dude. I'm tired of like filling up bottles. Why dude, okay, so things? let's let's review <laughs> what you've ha- consumed calorie wise this podcast. You've had chips that you put hot sauce on, and now you've just got a gallon jug of Gatorade. Like, and I had you, a cup of coffee. Could you be any more of a redneck right now? <laughs> Is that redneck? <laughs> it's it's Maryland redneck. Part time redneck is what I call myself. There you go. All right. So, what are we talking about this week? Um. Well, we should probably start with some sad news. Uh, at the rooted Vermont this weekend, we lost a rider. Um. Actually, a rider from Africa, Sul. Uh. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing his name right. Sul Kangenge. Kenganji? Kenganji? Is that how you pronounce it? Did you I think look so. up how to pronounce it? Yeah. I didn't look it Dude, up. We apologize if we are butchering it, but um I think that's right. Yeah, do you I so I had just read on Velo News about the story, but do you know any details about it or no? No, I, I haven't seen any details. All I know is that it it was a crash that took place during the race. Um yeah. and kind of like the tragic triumph irony is like his two teammates finished first and third. So there was this mm-hmm. like celebration at the finish line of like team Imani riders, uh, you know, both making the podium. And then, and like, that's what I, like I had initially on Saturday seen the the post from Vermont Overland of like of them two, uh, you know, finishing first and third. So, um, and there was like podium and celebration and stuff at the finish line. So I don't know, like, if it was something that, like, he passed away at, like, a later time from the injuries, like, in, you know, yeah. in the hospital or what happened. But, um, like, I don't think they knew about it. Like, his his teammates must not have known about it until after the race. Um, and, I, and I didn't start seeing announcements, like, posts on Instagram or um, in the news until yesterday, which would have been the day after. Yeah. Yeah, it's I uh, it's so tragic, man. It's always it cycling is not a sport where this kind of thing happens frequently, which is fortunate, but every once in a while it does happen. And I don't know, it just kind of makes you reflect on um like this this is the sort of thing that could possibly happen every time that you line up for a bike race. Um so, yeah, Sewell actually came up to me at Leadville after the race. Uh, I remember we we kind of rode the first climb together. He was a little bit ahead of me. And I think on the first descent, he might have had some sort of technical issue. I saw him off his bike, uh, maybe just putting his chain back on. Maybe his chain popped off. I don't I don't quite know. Um, and then after the race, he came up to me and he, you know, he, he was just like, yeah, good race, man. Like, I love your channel. I watch your channel and all of this. He was getting his bike washed at the bike wash station. And then we, you know, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about the race. We were talking about how he was going to do SPT, I think, and bike setup and all of that. Um, seemed like a really nice guy. So, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know him, but I met him that one time. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't really know anything about the team Imani project until Leadville, you know, until I saw them on the starting line and then kind of saw some posts afterwards. Um, 
you know, and then, then again after Steamboat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's a cool, cool project that I think he helped put together um, to kind of help showcase some of the East African talents and bring them to more of like a, you know, international worldwide level. And yeah, they were over here for like a brief four week stint to race Leadville, Steamboat, Gravel Worlds, and Vermont Overland was their last stop before heading back home. So yeah, mm-hmm. super tragic way to end their, you know, US debut and um, you know, an awesome thing that they've been putting together. But um yeah, yeah, yeah I was just super I, sad I really, to see all the news I really about it. I hope that this doesn't dampen the spirits of kind of what they've been trying to do with kicking up uh you know excitement for bike racing in Kenya because and East Africa in general. I think I believe that Sewell was from Kenya, if I'm not mistaken. But I mean you know, I, I I think that we may have talked about this before. Like the East Africans are the ones that dominate marathon racing and long distance running. There's no reason why they can't dominate bike racing too if they get enough people into it. Like they have they have the physiology for it. So, um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, so. yeah. So I mean, um, yeah, thoughts prayers go out to you know family and friends of those um hope that they all have you know safe travels getting back home and um yeah i'm sure his spirit will live on for sure uh do we want to move on to mountain bike worlds because there's a lot to talk about there yeah yeah let's do that sweet yeah i guess we so Adam, it sounds like you followed it more than Scott and I did. I mean, I know the results of all the races, but I didn't. I didn't necessarily watch all of it. I don't have a Flow Bikes account, so yeah. I so I didn't know that it was on Flow Bikes actually until maybe Saturday night, because um, mm-hmm. so they were like a day ahead basically when when the races were taking place over in France. Um, so. I'd known like the, they raced Saturday over there, which was then like Friday evening for us. And I like saw it, like ran to a couple people and they're like, Oh, did you hear, you know, short track results? And I was like, no, don't tell me like, I want to watch it so that I can, mm-hmm. you know, not get the spoiler alert. So I tried like not to, to find the results or anything, but I couldn't figure out where to watch it. Cause I was like trying to log into Red Bull and you couldn't watch it on Red Bull. So eventually I heard that it was on flow bikes. So I got to watch both short track races Saturday night. I didn't know the results beforehand. Um, and then on Sunday morning before, um, before like maybe it was Sunday afternoon. It, yeah. It was Sunday after yesterday afternoon before going to do the cross country race over here. I, uh, Allie and I watched the, the cross country men's race and of course, and I hate that they do this, but I get it. Cause it's like live for most people. If you're watching it live, like before the race even started, they talked, they started talking about who won the women's race. And I was like, well, I guess I don't need to watch the women's race now. Cause like I knew that PFP already won. Um, so that was kind of a bummer, but, um, it was the, the, the men's cross country race was pretty exciting for a while too. Yeah. But let's, I would say let's start with some results and then we can talk a little bit more about men's short track. I think that's, that'll be a fun one to talk about. Sure. Um, so Pauline Fran Prevost won women's short track on Saturday. And uh, Gwen Gibson, man, she's freaking like a short track specialist. 
Um, she, I know, again, dude. so like she, she came from behind again. Like she wasn't in the front. Um, she wasn't in the front group at first. Like I think for did, the first, did she just not have a good call up or something? You know, I'm, I'm not totally sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure if she, if she didn't have a, a great call up or not, but she like the, the front group was maybe five or six women and she was in the chase group. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but you know, ended up like halfway through the race, riding back to the front group. And then, um, she takes second or third. I can't remember. She got third, third. Yeah. So she, yeah. she ended up landing a podium spot and it was, it was close to, it looked like there was going to be a chance that she was going to finish second. Like her, mm-hmm. um, she and the second place girl, there were three of them that were kind of battling for the last two podium spots. PFP had already like, attacked off the front and like she got a huge gap it started raining a bunch too so it kind of got treacherous on the course um there were quite a few crashes that happened um so yeah i mean it was it was getting kind of slippery and crazy out there and pfp won the uh xc race too right yeah yeah and and, yeah yeah, like i said i I didn't watch that one yet um i don't know i since i already knew that she won by how much she won on in the short track, I assume she kind of dominated the race mm-hmm. in in the cross country, but um, I'm sure at some point on the trainer or something, I'll watch it. But um, yeah, yeah, so she's, she, she won both races. Yeah, definitely, definitely timed her peak, right. Um, to be that dominant this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, even on set, even on, you know, short track on Saturday, like, <clears throat> She, it was very evident that when she was riding in the front group that like she was not, um, suffering all that much. And then like when she attacked, I mean, it was like no one even came close to responding. And then even when she was off the front, like, you know, it looked like she was just kind of riding easy again, trying not to crash for the most part. Like she had such a big gap that all she needed to do was get to the finish. Yeah. Um, her and Julian Alphalete, or uh, not Julian Alaphilippe, the uh, the other French dude who's fast at mountain biking, who's now t- retired. Julian Absalon. Absalon. Her, Julie, <laughs> Julian Absalon are like married, right? Or dating or something? Um, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't follow like the <laughs> relationship stuff. Sure. Yeah, like, sounds like something you should know. <laughs> <laughs> what me or Adam? You. Well, the only reason I bring it up is because how if if they if they ever have children, how fast are those children going to be? I mean, Julian Absalon so, is probably so, the second best male cross country mountain biker ever. Now that Nino has won ten world championships, I think Nino's the best. But and then and then mix that with PFP. Um, yeah, they're not together. Oh damn. <laughs> No, it says that they broke up. Oh man, that is they they broke up like a year ago. Oh well. Yep. It says that they were together for six years though. Hmm. But I don't know when I type in Julian Absalon wife, Emily Absalon comes up. So I don't know. Maybe hmm. I have no idea. I don't follow that kind of stuff. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> um. So all right. so. So Scott, have you seen the cross cut or the short track men's highlights or anything at all? 
Yeah, I saw the the highlight. The highlight. The singular the highlight. highlight. The one that highlight. The one that you needed to see. But how the, far back did that highlight go? Like, did you just see Chris Blevins crashing into the rock, or did you see like the last lap? Uh, I think it was like the last lap. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, I pretty much you know, saw the again last lap reiterating as well. that flow bikes. Yeah, I didn't watch it because flow bikes. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like, Chris, he looked the strongest of the two. Mm-hmm. Like, he he looked like he, he had enough snap. He was kind of waiting for the right time. Um, now, are you saying this because you're a biased American, or, or is that your objective? No, like, the way that he was responding to attacks. I mean, he's always a super punchy rider. Sure. Um, but, like... As sharp as he looked responding to some of the attacks compared to some of the other guys, like he, mm-hmm. it, it just looked like he had maybe a little bit more, um, like super high end fitness than, um, Sam Gaze. Sure. Yeah. So for those who don't know it, here's the spoiler right now. Um, Chris, Ble- they, the very last rock garden of the race, Chris Blevins is trying to pass Sam Gaze and he ends up crashing and uh, Sam Gaze wins and Chris Blevins, I don't know, screws up his handlebars and finishes way back. But um, from, from what I could tell and, and I don't want to, you know, this is kind of like playing armchair quarterback, especially coming from somebody who absolutely sucks at short track racing. But I would have just trusted, like if I was Blevins, I think I would have just trusted my sprint because it seemed like there was plenty of of uh, room after the last corner to sprint. I could be mistaken, but if it wasn't the last turn, like on either gravel or was it gravel or gravel or, gravel or um, grass? Yeah, I mean it was like a transition from grass onto w- kind of wettish pavement. Um, mm-hmm. Just because yeah. they because it rained during the women's race and then the men were after that. Um, it wasn't raining for the men's race and it was like the grass was super tacky, but, um, I think maybe the pavement was still like a little bit loose. Mm-hmm. So they were taking that corner onto the pavement a little bit more timid than you'd normally see. Um, I think this is maybe where like just watching the highlight, it's kind of hard to, to figure out why it came down the way it did. Um, you know, I think I think Chris for sure in his mind had to be first to that final corner. You know, he sure. wanted to be able yeah. to gauge his own speed through through that final corner and it'd be on his terms. Um but what happened was like he so so this was this is my armchair analysis. Chris was kind of waiting for the last technical last couple technical features to try and make his move around Sam Gaze. And from what I saw, he started to kind of come around Sam gaze over this little like rock roll drop kind of feature. Um, so this is like two features before the finish. And when he came down off of that and went to go like try and make his attack around Sam gaze, I think he was in probably one or two too easy of a gear. And when he went to go like sprint or punch around him, you could see like he super revved up his cadence super fast. Mm -hmm. Um, and then ended up going into the next kind of rock garden feature at the same time as him. And at that point, like they're going so fast, there was like, Chris would have had to hit his brakes and slot in behind Sam gaze 
Um, and I just don't think he was willing to do that or ready to do that. Like that wasn't part of his strategy. Um, cause, cause the, the, the line that Blevins took, the only option he had was to slot back in through, there was like a, there was like one gap in the rocks on the left side where you could avoid the rock that he hit. So like he had to get around Sam gaze and, and get into that slot first. And it just like, it just didn't work. I mean, um, gaze had the inside line and, you know, kind of kept the door closed the whole time. Um, but there was one significant, like what I saw, like instance where Blevins tried to ramp up and just didn't have the right gearing and just spun out. Yeah. Yeah. It would, uh, leaving, leaving the pass for the very last feature is, is definitely risky. I mean, as we saw, he ended up screwing it up, but yeah. Yeah. Super exciting race. Yeah, it, 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 it's an interesting course. Like the, you know, the, the place to pass would have been the uphill right after the finish, but both Gaze and Blevins went super hard up that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Blevins had quite enough to get around him going up that. So he, he, you know, it seemed like he just, his only other option was to wait till later. But yeah, um, yeah, it was unfortunate. I mean, as soon as he crashed, I mean, there was no like, I'm going to get on my bike and run to the finish and try and get fifth. Like he didn't care. Like it was either, it was all or nothing at that point. Sure. Uh, and he hit the rock pretty hard. I don't know if you guys like saw like a slow-mo of it or anything, but like he hit the rock real hard with his shoulder and then his, his helmet hit the rock too. Yeah, it's kind of lucky he didn't get a concussion. Yeah. What's with the rocks just like randomly? It's kind of a weird feature. Yeah, like, like, kind of a man-made like, course all around, like both the XC race and the short track. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is kind of weird. And, um, like, you know this, Scott, from, like, racing cyclocross. Like, they're, by the time the UCI races go on, you know, after, like, they've done a bunch of, like, morning amateur races and stuff, there's lines that are burned in. And, like, the temptation is to try and ride the burnt-in lines, but the speed differential between, like, the amateur field and the pro field is so much different that those burned in lines are often not the correct lines. Um, it kind of seemed like that was similar in this, on this, the short track course, like there were a few burned in lines through the rock garden features, but then like you would, you would actually watch and like, you could see like in the rock garden that like there were other lines, but it was just mm-hmm. like everyone was following that one burnt in line. Um, yeah. like there were a couple of times in the women's race that was pretty cool. Like, you know, a girl made a pass over the rock garden because she opted to not ride the burnt line. She just created her own line. And it's like, you know, instead of waiting for the train of people to get through the, you know, the, the one single file line, she just like swooped around the outside and picked up like two or three spots. Um, the interesting thing was there, there was another, there was another line through that final feature where Blevins crashed, but it was on the far right side of the course. So there were kind of two burnt in lines that people were taking and I don't know, maybe there was like a third line that you could have taken or something, but Blevins got pushed. You know, he, he was already on the left side going into that corner. So there was no way that he could have come, you know, back to the far right side to make it through the other line. Um, but yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, like it just kind of sucks that there was like no option for him. Like he just, you know, it was just completely closed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, sweet. Should we move on to the XC race? Yeah. So what do you guys know about the XC race? 
Nothing. I mean, I know the results, and I know that Tom Pidcock crashed into a tree. <laughs> I saw. I saw that crash. Yeah. Um, like, I actually didn't see the crash. Really I, I I had to go get something from the kitchen, so I missed the crash. But um, that's like the most important part of the race. Yeah, but you don't uh, know when it's going to crash. <laughs> no, dude. I he, he had already dropped off the lead at that point, and you oh, could okay. tell his matches had all been burnt. So, like, I knew he wasn't going to win. So I, I didn't. I I stepped away for a bit. But yeah, he like crashed into a tree and broke his something on his wheel. Like not not to the point where he couldn't ride, but he had to get a wheel change. Gotcha. Um but it was pretty sweet though like you know, from the start they're like okay, Olympic champion, he's on the, you know, 7th row or whatever, you know, going to keep an eye on this guy, but it's going to be real hard for him to get back to the front from that position and they're talking about how he like doesn't doesn't do any mountain bike races so he never has you know he doesn't have enough points so he's always like you know trying to catch up in these races and stuff and like by the end of the first lap he had made contact with the front row or with the leaders yeah yeah that's that's so gnarly um yeah it's been interesting to see what he could have done had he had a front row start yeah for sure i mean eventually like this was right before he crashed like eventually he cracked pretty hard and just like couldn't hold the pace like when nino kind of ramped things up uh pidcock just didn't have enough in the tank to to go with him anymore um but he was looking super strong i mean uh you know he'd let some gaps open so he could recover and then he'd close the gaps pretty easily you know this was like while he was in already in the front group um like i i know he's made an announcement that he wants to win all three disciplines in one year for the world champs like road mountain bike and cyclocross i think if he were to if he were going to try and do that he would have to spend more time focusing on mountain biking because like in the road your starting position doesn't matter but in mountain biking it absolutely does like even though he he had a good race and like there was maybe a 20 minute period where you thought there was a chance that he could win like in the end, you realize like no, he he. There's no way that he would have had enough in the reserves to to have to have won the race. Sure. So I I think that he has the capability to win all three world championships. We'll see if he can do it in the same year. That's quite a tall order. But what do you think? So I, I've heard different opinions on this. Some people think it's cocky, and some people think it's confident. What do you think of him predicting that he'll win all three when he hasn't done that yet? You know, like part of me is like, okay, don't talk about it. Just do it. And part of me is like, wow, that guy is like, could you be more confident? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't see anything wrong with it. Like Mm -hmm. if that's what his goals are, like, I don't see any reason why you can't put that out there. Yeah. I mean, I guess he just doesn't like, uh, he just doesn't feel the need to like give the, you know, the, the typical answer like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. We'll see how I feel. No, he's like, I'm going to win the race. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the only reason he showed up to mountain bike world championships was to win. Sure. Yeah. Like there's no there's no other incentive yeah. for him to to do the race. So like for right. him to show up with enough confidence that he could win from the seventh row, uh, we lost Scott. 
Um, I mean, that, that displays his confidence right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I, mean, I just, I think it's a tall order. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. We, we've seen order, him have some sure. good results. Like he, he's, you know, a couple world cups and stuff when he was preparing for the Olympic Olympics last year. Um, you know, like he landed a couple, you know, podiums and top tens from way back. I think he, he, he had a top 10 from like the last call up cause he had zero points. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've seen that for sure, but there's a difference between like landing a top 10 and winning the world championships where like Nino's on his best form of the year, you know, everyone's on the, their best form of the year, yeah. like to, to have to burn that much energy to get through the entire field or half the field. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I just don't see that happening. Is Pidcock going to do road worlds this year? Scott, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Where'd you go? Uh, it like cut out for a second. Dang. So I rejoined. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Someone, I don't remember. I think we were on like an ignition call or something, but someone was saying that the road course this year is not set up well for him. What is it? I think it's like, it's predicted that it'll come down to a sprint. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Looks, looks decently hard to me. Okay. There's like a 6k climb, which like is in the beginning of the 30k in, which pro- hopefully will be insignificant. And then you do circuits, and there's I think it's like 900 meters at seven or eight yeah, percent every lap. I mean, yeah, that could. And you know, it's like 200 and whatever k's long. I, I feel like I feel like usually Road Worlds is more. If it's not a dead flat course, it's usually a little bit more selective too, because it's not a stage race; it's one day. So guys are just going for it. And there's the teams, you know, might be smaller. Sure. Because it's nations, not trade teams. So it's harder to control. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. He might be able to, I mean, he could win the sprint too. Yeah. It, it, you know what <laughs> honestly is the most impressive thing about Tom Pidcock is that he has a good sprint because he weighs like 120 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, like the yeah. fact that the fact that he's anywhere close to Wout Van Art in a sprint just blows my mind. Let alone beating him, you know. Yeah, he's pretty fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and he like it's yeah, sure. It seems kind of cocky for him to come out and say like, "Yeah, I'm going to win all three disciplines in the world championships," but. I mean, the dude's good at everything. Like he's he's good at classics. Yeah. He's good at, uh, you know, stage racing. He's he's good at obviously good at cyclocross. Obviously good at mountain biking. I mean, like, I guess maybe track racing. He's I don't know if he's ever raced on the track, but probably not too good there. Maybe he'd be good. I don't know. He'd probably, he'd probably do fine. Yeah, dude. It's funny. I go on I go on pink bikes uh, sometimes, especially to get mountain bike news. And pink bike is like mainly downhillers and enduro riders. That's kind of the crowd over on pink bike. And I clicked on the, the results for, uh, mountain bike worlds. And the, like one of the top comments was like, thank God the roadie didn't win. Like referring to Tom Pidcock. (laughs) I'm like, dude, you, you think Tom Pidcock is a roadie? 
like he does road. That doesn't mean that he's he's like he like that's that's like he's good at all like all disciplines. And right. he didn't he start in mountain biking, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I mean, I don't know where he started, but I know he's got a bunch of mountain bike national championship titles. Yeah, and he's the he's the Olympic mountain bike champion for XE. So I mean, when when Vanderpool was winning everything, were they saying, "Thank you know, thank God the cyclocrosser didn't win." <laughs> I don't know, dude. But there were like, and and that that comment, like you can you can upvote and downvote comments on Pink Bike. That comment had like a ton of upvotes. I was like, "Are you guys serious right now?" <laughs> wow. So let me ask your guys' opinion. Who do you think would have a better chance of winning all three, Vanderpool or Pidcock? Um, has Vanderpool done a mountain bike race this year? No, he hasn't raced mountain bikes since he broke his back at the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Um, like assuming Vanderpool makes a full recovery and he's you know sure he's not hindered by his. It's injury. easy. It's easy to say that. Pidcock has a better chance right now because Pidcock is just doing better right now than Vanderpool is. But I think that if Vanderpool makes a full recovery, I don't know. I almost think that he'd have a better shot at it. I think he's got more results just in general than Pidcock. And he seems to be better at cyclocross than Pidcock. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that. That's exactly my take too. I think, um, I mean, Pidcock's obviously got, uh, you know, keen eye for winning, but there's like something about Vanderpool. Like he's just so much more intimidating. Maybe it's because he doesn't weigh 53 <laughs> kilos like Tom Pidcock. But yeah. like when Vanderpool's on the start line, there's just like something that seems more intimidating about him. Um, yeah, you know, the he, you know, he leverages like his abilities so well. Yeah, you know, the Rocky movies. Um, there was one Rocky movie where like the guy that he had, the guy that Rocky had to go up to, against was, uh, he was like a blonde dude and they have a montage of like his preparation is all scientific and Rocky's preparation is all like, I don't know. He's just like freaking lifting logs in in his shed or <laughs> something and running in the snow. Um, Vanderpool reminds me of that guy. I wish I knew his name so I could this reference would actually be good, but <laughs> he reminds you of the the scientific guy? Yeah, the guy with blonde hair is super intimidating looking like that that's who Vanderpool reminds me of. Hmm. But I I feel like Vanderpool takes like an you're just saying he looks like him or reminds you of him. He he looks he looks like him. He looks like him, and his intimidation is factor is the same. Okay. I'm not saying that he has like some sort of super scientific approach or anything. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. But yeah. Hmm. Well, anyways, Pidcock did not win the cross country championship. Nino Schurter did. For I think maybe the eighth yeah, time. Yeah, did we even, dude? Tenth, we've been we've been talking time? about this for like twenty minutes, and did we even mention Nino Schurter yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, Nino is the greatest cross country mountain biker of all time. Is I mean, it's probably settled at this point after this win. Yeah, it's got to be. 
Yeah, that's insane. Um, he. So how how long has his pro career been? Like sixteen or seventeen years or something like that. Mm, if that, yeah. The point 15. I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is that out of the world championship races that he's done, and I could be screwing this up right now, he's won more times than he's lost. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now, Scott, does that does the no? Yeah, that's his tenth cross country. Because has he won um, cross country marathon too? Do either of you guys know? Is the internet fucked again? Adam, you're cutting out. I think I think what Adam was going to ask was, uh, has he won the short track? And I don't it, think he has. I don't think I don't he has. Think he so. even won a short track World Cup race? Probably. I don't know. But is World Champs the same where, like, the short track affects your starting position for the cross country? I don't think it does. I think it's... Uh, I think that's why Nino didn't do... The short track race. Oh, because like the World Cup, it, it matters for the yeah. start. But Adam, you were asking if Nino's won a uh, a short track world championship or no? Has he won a marathon oh, championship? Yeah, good question. I don't know, but I don't know if he's even has he even participated. Where'd Adam, Scott you go? back. I don't know. <laughs> Adam, has he even has he even participated in a uh, marathon World Cup or World Championship? Yeah, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he has. I just. I, I wasn't sure at first if the t- if the tenth title meant that he had won. I, I like think. Other, I think. But it's it was. Cross, it was just cross country. Just, I'm pretty sure it's just cross country because I don't. Has yeah. he ever even won a short track World Cup? let alone a world championship. Like he doesn't seem so. to be very good at short track relative no. to how good he is at cross country, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, he's, he's very one dimensional. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, which isn't a bad thing. Like it, uh, you know, it made him, I, I, I don't see anything wrong with being the very best at, you know, specify being a specialist in this one thing and being the very best at that one thing, as opposed to like a Tom Pidcock who, could potentially be the best in everything. But, you know, it's like, is Tom Pidcock going to spread himself thin in his pursuit to be the best at everything? Uh, No, I mean, eventually he'll just retire and go race gravel. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, Alex Alex Dowsett had a video about how he's retiring from... Uh, from the world tour and he he said I know there's already going to be a lot of people in the comments asking you know like are you are you going to pro gravel racing and he said that he doesn't oh, man I want yeah I watched I watched the video the words he he, was like, he he was like I don't want to uh, I don't know what he say Scott he said like I can't be a pro because I've never done it before yeah, like some, he doesn't want to say like he's going to be a pro at something that he's never done, which makes sense. But to be, but he's like, 
Forgetting about the fact that to be a pro gravel racer, you just have to like have an Instagram and like ride gravel and shit. <laughs> dude, and he's, he's already not actually competing. Dude, and he's already getting his like YouTube channel going. He could just he doesn't even need to be fast. He could just vlog at the gravel races and like be a be a pro. He doesn't even have to show vlogger. up. He could just talk about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But yeah, he's like, yeah, it can't be a pro if I can't. Yeah. If I have never done it. Yeah, which makes sense. He said he's still going to do th- things related to cycling, so I don't know. He'll probably be like, some yeah, but sort then of- no, I bet you he's going to do gravel. But he's like, oh, I can't just say I'm going to be a pro now if I can't do it. But then I saw another article that was like a quote from him that said, "I'm not doing gravel." But that's not what he said. It's clickbait. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe he like <laughs> isn't sure. Like maybe maybe he's going to suck at gravel. You know, so he doesn't want to call himself a gravel pro if he's like going to be a total flop. Exactly, but then this article was like the quote was "I'm not doing gravel," but he, it sounded like he was going to do gravel. He just doesn't want to call himself a pro yet because he's never done it. Sure, I don't think he would suck at gravel. I think he'd be just fine. No, he'd probably be fine at gravel. <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got enough Instagram followers. That's like nine. <laughs> I don't know what I I don't know what his bike handling skills are like. I mean, he's been a roadie for his entire career. Um, not that. I mean, not that like gravel takes a ton of bike handling skills. Like you could probably figure it out, but you know, it's it's definitely a component. Yeah, I think I'll be all right. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it sounds like he's just gonna be like a some sort of team manager, or team director, or something. Maybe, maybe both. Yeah. Sweet. Did we did we finish up? Did we finish up the convo on uh, mountain bike world championships? Or no? Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, we said PFP won, Nino won. I don't watch any of the DH stuff. I I watched the winning runs. Valley Hall won the women's race. Loic Bruni won the men's race. I think this is like Loic Bruni's either like third or fourth world championship win. I could be screwing that up. Um, I don't yeah, really like dude. the downhill is like they're not like racing it's like a time trial like I don't know you don't like don't anything really get into related it. to time trials nothing, nothing that's even <laughs> related to a time trial you like <laughs> well I like a time trial if it's like in a stage race and it's like suspenseful you know like Oh, like, is downhill like racing not action. suspenseful it's like whoever it is it is I guess but I don't know. You know, I just, you know why? You know why downhill is like the most mainstream of any cycling discipline there is. Is it? I'm just saying. I don't. The know. most I mainstream is like the Tour de France. Maybe the Tour. I'm like looking world, at the results, but dude, when you're actually watching downhill and you're getting into it, it's very suspenseful because you know a rider could be up on time and at any second they could crash, and that happens all the time. It's like. Oh, he's up by two seconds, and then he just completely blows it, and he crashes, and he finishes thirty seconds down. Yeah, maybe I just haven't. It's not like, dude. It's not like watching a road time trial where it's like, okay, they're ten seconds up, they're probably gonna win, and then you watch it for twenty minutes, and it's like, sure enough, they won. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Maybe I should try watching it again. Yeah, the runs are only like a few minutes. Yeah, it's like three minutes, and 
and the times are very close. Like you can, they can actually go back and forth on time. Like they can be up at the first split, then down at the second split, then up at the third, and then somehow they still lose. You know, when they're riding, do they know? Is there any like no? They don't light know. system where they know they're up or down. Not at they all. Should, they should have like radios or something. You know? No, dude. It takes it so matters, much focus, though. dude. There's no way you could think about that shit at all. True. Yeah, dude. I mean, I, it I was also talking. Like doesn't matter. I was. Nico Malali was saying that when he's doing a, you know, when he's he's worn a heart rate monitor for his downhill race runs, and he'll hit his max heart rate in a downhill run doing zero watts. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, yeah. motocross guys consistently, you know, hit two hundred beats per minute. Hmm. Yeah. It doesn't translate to like being super fit on the bike, though. I'm not saying it does translate. I'm just saying, you know, it's intense. <laughs> yeah, like that being said, some, some those guys in your house and scares the crap out of you. Like your heart rate's going to be pretty close to max. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that being said, those dudes are fit. Like I, yeah, uh, you know, Nico lives here. Uh, the Shaws live here. Lucas Shaw. Um, Back when we used to do road group rides together, like I rode with Lucas Shaw and he can totally hang on a really hard road group ride. No problem. So, yeah, you know, I, I know they do a lot of them do quite a bit of aerobic training. Yeah, honestly, the there way is some that, pedaling at the end where it matters. I mean, sure. When it's coming down to, you know, hundredths of a second and there's, you know, 12 yeah. second sprint at the end. Maybe not that, that much. Five second sprint. That being said, I mean there are also there also have been times when the winner either broke their chain or dropped their chain. So yeah, or flattened. Yeah. Uh, has there been a time where the the person crossed the line with a flat tire and won? I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe not the world championship, but yeah. Um. Um, do you know, I mean, do you know anything about like the ge- the gearing and stuff that they run? Like, will they play yeah. around with that based on what the sprint is at the end or what the, you know, yeah. the finish is? Yeah, they play around with it. I mean, basically it's like they either run a 34 or a 36 tooth chain ring generally. And then the back is like the first half of a, of a SRAM Eagle cassette. So it's like only the first five gear or five or six gears or whatever that you need for downhilling. And then the rest of the cassette is chopped off. Yeah. You know? So, but they, yeah, they like, play around. They, like I mean, they, they'll change the chain ring size if they feel like they need it. They will. Is it, like, a balance of not wanting too big of a chain ring that you could smash it on a rock? Yeah. But that's still definitely enough? That's definitely the balance. Because having, having clearance between the bottom of your chain your chain ring in the ground is important for downhill racing. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, didn't you used to race downhill? <laughs> no. Scott's no won- I have, I have won a collegiate a downhill race. But. <laughs> Dude, Scott, for how little he rides a mountain bike is surprisingly so good at riding a mountain bike downhill. It's crazy. It's talent, bro. I think he just doesn't give a fuck <laughs> about his life at all like i feel like he's not in control he's just like fast 
No, there's no control at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I did have one hey, lis- listener question. Are oh, we yeah, actually are we, done ta- are we done talking about this or no? Yeah. Yeah, we're done talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, here's another question for the pod. Do you ever look at your torque? Um, he rambles on for another paragraph about torque, but like, basically the question is, do you ever look at your, at your, and, and I was like, this seems more of a, like a matchbox podcast question. He's like, I don't listen to that one. (laughs) Okay. So he asked about what? Torque? Yeah. So, um, you know, like like if you have a power meter, you're applying to the pedals. If you have a power meter, you can, you can look at how much torque you're applying. Yeah, I didn't answer his question on Instagram because I told him we'd talk about it here. I'm going to be honest with you. No, I don't look at torque no. at all. <laughs> it's a big fat no for me. <laughs> like I, I, I you honestly look at so much shit. Like you know, like <laughs> you, you got to spend the time that you spend looking at this shit, just riding more, and you'll probably get a lot faster than like worrying about your torque. There's like a hundred other things I'm, I could improve about my performance or my life. Other than like worrying about my torque, <laughs> right? And you're but a like, sprinter, so torque might even matter more than most people. Yeah, but I'm more worried about cadence. Okay, how fast I can spin my legs because that matters a hell of a lot more. Because you, you, you're sure. going fast as fuck, right? In the sprint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think of people who like obsess about their CTL and whatnot? I think that's also dumb. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, that probably matters more than your torque to look at. It's like something to look at, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you, like, so, okay, so you guys, what do you have on your head unit when you're like racing? The map. The map. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because you can Dang, see dude. where so you're you don't going. Even, like, you don't even look at power. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll have power on there. I don't know if I'll look at it. Okay. And then I'll have how many kilometers to go, mm-hmm. how many kilometers we're into the stage. That's yeah. probably it. Yeah, I look at power. I got power, heart rate, and time, and distance. Those are like my top four. And I actually I stopped look- racing with a heart rate monitor. Oh, really? See, I like racing with a heart, heart rate, rate monitor because I like seeing how Guess how much your heart rate... But guess how much your heart rate will do to me? Well, I guess in your case, it's a little different. But for me, it will do absolutely nothing to help you go faster, <laughs> knowing it. It's one well, less thing you got to pack in your bag and shit every stage. Like, it's one less thing you got to put on. Yeah, but, like, you know, all this shit on. But, dude, but what about for pacing? Like, it lets me know when I'm I like. I don't pace anything. <laughs> This is why you hate time trialing, dude. This is why you hate anything related to time trialing. Because you hate pacing. You just want to smash the pedals. I don't, well, I mean, I, don't, yeah. I mean, Sky, what you're saying, though, like, for, for you, the way that you win races is most of the time in a sprint finish. So, like, all you need to do is make sure that you're with the front group, right? So, like, whatever the yeah. front group's doing, you just make sure you're there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for like you know Leadville or whatever, it might be useful, probably. Yeah. But for me, yeah, I just stopped even putting it on. What about training? Yeah, I'll wear it. Okay. Cool. 
Adam, what right, about is you? Is yeah. there another question? Oh, go ahead. Um, oh, I mean, I, it depends on what kind of race I'm doing, I guess. If I need a map, then I'll put the map on. Um, I would say for me, what matters more than heart rate uh, or like KJs or, or anything, um, maybe even more than power, is I, I got some of those tire whiz things for your tire pressure. I like having that on my screen because then like you don't have to be like if you think you got a flat you just know because your computer tells you like hey you're running low on pressure or like if you did get a flat it tells you like hey you've got 12 psi still like you're fine you don't need to stop okay yeah so I put that on there not for road yeah, dude but- you don't they probably didn't <laughs> no, work no I know but like I just don't, is that really going to help you go faster like if you flat <laughs> you flat it or like you're already going to lose a bunch of time Sometimes you so don't does know. Does it really matter if you like realize you flatted like thirty seconds earlier? <laughs> yeah, because then you don't have to stop, dude. Then, then if you if you like got a flat but it's sealed, you know, because like sometimes you don't know. Like, do I have five psi or do I have twelve? Like, if you got twelve, you can keep going. Well, why don't you just keep riding until you can't ride anymore, and then you fix it? <laughs> well, sometimes in a gravel race, you actually have to fix your tire. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but if you don't have to, then yeah, you just get get to keep going. I don't know. It's don't, more more so like on the mountain bike. I, I don't like, think okay, I mean, sometimes you it's like on the mountain like bike, you don't know. Like thing. maybe you have too much. No, it's not the most important thing. Time is the most important <laughs> thing for distance. <laughs> like I was saying, it's gonna, more important than heart rate. Like heart rate's not going to you know. You, you're talking about going faster or whatever. Like. I, I'd Scott, rather at least what, know what my tire pressure is than heart Scott, rate. Scott, what would you rather look at all race? Your heart rate or your tire pressure? <laughs> <laughs> Probably my heart rate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like that that should are you just constantly worried about having a flat <laughs> you have the thing on there? Like why don't you just have another screen where like, oh, I might have a flat. Let me flick to this other screen and see if I have a flat. Well, like yeah, that's it's, it's well, like it's not like usually it. Usually, I it depends on what the race is, I guess. But um, if it's like a distance race, like if it's like a you know mountain bike race that's like distance, not time based, then I'll then distance is like the most important. Like how far am I to the yeah. finish? Mm. Also, um, like you'd think that a, I would like care about the screen, but like sometimes I just I'll just like set it up with random crap on the screen like and just use that <laughs> yeah i mean yeah <laughs> like yeah, i don't like, like i, go I look at my like screen 10 times more often maybe 100 times more often in a training ride than i do on a race mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i hardly ever look at the screen time is maybe the only thing that like i'll i'll glance at frequently to like figure out like you know if i've eaten enough yeah. Well, I, I actually look at it a lot, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, for an unbound, I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, you got to look at something. Yeah. You might as well look I, at your screen. I guess. What they need to do is they need, for these gravel races, they need to make screens that you can, like, play Netflix on or something. Mm. Yeah. Or hook your, like, you can download your Dude, music onto it. So, or, yeah, music are you would be suggesting nice. that unbound is boring? Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I think that's a known <laughs> fucking fact. 
dude, the very first episode that we did, Scott said that Unbound was boring, and we got like an angry message from somebody saying that that was like a bad thing to say. Like all of our, you know, all of our viewers are going to be pissed that we think that. So would that guy rather me just make shit up and talk a bunch of shit? Like, I think everyone in the race will agree that it's boring. I, I yeah, I, I don't know if you're, yeah. Lots of um, things that are good are boring. Books. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I think the race makes it interesting. I think that's what I said in the first podcast as well. Like, yeah, I but, think, but I think, I think what Scott's I said, argument is, is you could, you could have an interesting race that doesn't last 10 hours. Sure. Or you can have an interesting race that's also boring at a certain time. Like I, yeah, like the tour if, is if super boring most line of the time. And said they weren't bored at some point, they're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. like ten hours fucking long. Of course it's boring. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, okay. I've got another question. So let's let's do that quick because we've been doing this a while. All right. Um. So this guy says um how he has a question about how to get better at race starts he says he loses a lot of places in the beginning of gravel races um and he says he's not sure if it's confidence like maybe riding in the pack uh you know or if it's something else like you know with his fitness Mm. um but he says he like starts out real slow and then catches a lot of people later in the race um that's the opposite of what happens to most people i guess yeah i mean is, that's what I, that's one thing that i was going to say was like he actually has you know more of the right approach here like sounds like he's relative to the field negative splitting the entire race sure which the longer the race the the better that strategy is going to work out yeah um yeah oh, i mean wait, I, hold on. wait check this out too he says that he, he caught up on a lot of our episodes coming back from a UCI gravel race in Sweden. Mm. All right. I guess UCI gravel still lives. Well, UCI gravel is definitely bigger in Europe. You yeah. Know, where they actually care about the UCI. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I, I don't know a lot about this guy. Like, I don't know if he has road experience. Like, I don't know if riding in the pack is his issue or if the pace at the start is the issue, right? Because it, it could be it could be two of two things. It could either be the pace at the start is too high for him and he's more of a diesel engine guy. So, like, he can, he can diesel it, you know, 300 watts all day. I'm just throwing 300 watts out there. I don't know what, what he can diesel at, but... You can just go all day at a high power and like maybe the spiky pace at the beginning is too hard for him or he's he's just not comfortable riding in the pack. And so the answer to depending on which one of those two things it is, the answer is different. You know yeah, what I mean, it sounds like it. So it sounds like it says like he he doesn't have the confidence to go hard with others in the beginning, and he's also afraid of crashing. So I'm guessing it's a, a yeah. little bit bit of both. Like maybe maybe going above sure. his diesel pace is uncomfortable to him, but then there's also the added chaos of bunch riding. Yeah, I mean, I think with the bunch riding thing, so the best out of the three of us at this is Scott for sure. Um, 
But I think with the bunch riding thing, it's like, it's experience, right? Most people don't have a lot of experience riding in a bunch because when you train on your bike, you know, most of the time you're by yourself. Um, so it's like, you know, maybe if, maybe if that means finding a road group ride to go on or doing gravel races more frequently. But my point is that he should get more experience riding in a tight pack in order to get comfortable doing that. Yeah. And and I think gravel is a little bit different too, because you have so many people coming from different backgrounds, you know, like maybe someone retires from mountain biking, maybe someone retires from road racing, you know, so now they're doing gravel. But we gravel. do know that if they're racing gravel, they're retired. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good <laughs> They're retired from whatever they were trying to do before. Yeah. For sure. Um, but um, you, you get, you, you, you know, you have, you have so many different people with different backgrounds. Um, you know, it's not like once you get to like a certain level in road racing where you kind of know that everyone's pretty well experienced at that point. Like, you know, you get to cat two, cat one um you know pro like you know that you can kind of have confidence that like you can let your guard down a little bit at times because everyone around you at least has some idea of what they're doing with gravel like you don't always know what kind of background the riders around you are bringing into it so like what one thing that i find myself doing a bit more with gravel racing even more so than like mountain bike racing in a pack is surveying the riders around me to try and figure out like which riders I don't want to be around. Like if you see someone that's just doing dumb stuff, like they're, you know, not looking where they're going. They're not, you know, they're overlapping wheels a whole bunch into like, you know, rutted sections. Like they're just not paying attention or like, they're not, um, you know, like they're kind of squirrely in their riding. Like maybe they're hitting their brakes too much or something like that. Just like, don't be around that person, like move to somewhere else in the pack. You know, like you kind of have to watch out for the people you don't want to be around. Um, Cause otherwise like you, you could just get caught next to the wrong person and be in the wrong person at the wrong time or wrong place at the wrong time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And at these gravel races, and it's way easier. I think to move through, like move around through the pack of a gravel race than it is in like a road race. Cause usually it's spread out a bit more than on the road. Um, yeah, but the, the roads are narrower. The roads are narrower, but the gaps are bigger. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but on the road, it's like you can use your momentum to advance positions. Where I gravel, I guess you could. But oh, like, you can use it more in gravel. Spread out, you have to pass people, but by putting out more power than them, right? Like, I guess. Uh, I mean, maybe people, some. Yeah. Where road, you, you can like dive bomb a corner and move up fifty spots without touching your pedals, without pedaling. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, in a gravel race, too, like, there's going to be a lot more splits going on. Like, it's not yeah. like a road race where it's, like, all of a sudden there's, like, this selection. Um, yeah. And, I, then, like, the rest of the peloton stays together. Like, eventually it just kind of starts to string out. So, like, that's part of it, too, is, like, if this guy is super good at riding strong later in the race, like, you know, I wouldn't burn more energy than you need to to stay in the group because, you know, eventually that group's going to dwindle down anyways. So, like, you know, it, it's kind of like... um a fleeting benefit to, to be in the group. Whereas like in the road, like if you, if you get dropped from the group, like your race is over, like there's no way mm-hmm. you're catching the group again. Sure. Most of the time that's the case in gravel as well. Although, you know, not always. It's, it's like, win, a, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not sure if this guy's trying to win or if he's yeah. you know, just trying to get his best placing. Sure. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and and the the thing I was going to say with these gravel races too is I I don't necessarily know what it is. Maybe it's just there's too many people in too small of a road, or there's varying levels of skill level. But there at races like Unbound, the amount of crashes in the first forty miles is insane. It's so many. Like whatever you can do to avoid the crashes is uh, going to be a benefit. Um, so I don't know if that means like, for example, at unbound this year, I was just dropped in the first 40 miles. So I didn't have to deal with the crashes and it was actually kind of nice. <laughs> um, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that was helpful saying Yeah, that, and it could be kind of, <laughs> you know, Scott, going back to like what you were saying with like energy expenditure, it could be part of, that could be part of why you see so many people just completely implode in these longer races, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're just burning that much more energy trying to stay in that front group. Um, cause it, it's, it definitely is a little bit harder to, to stay in the front group than it is. You know, if you took that same, all the same riders and put them on the road. Sure. I think it'd be a lot easier to stay with the front group. Sure. Oh yeah. 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 All right. Are there any more questions that don't involve gravel? <laughs> no, I don't I don't have any. Do you get any, Scott? No. All right. Well, if you have a question, send it to Scott and make sure it's not related to gravel. Or else Scott's gonna be pissed. I'll read it off. I just don't want to answer it. <laughs> Scott, are you gonna race cross again this year? Uh I think so. Still figuring it out? Yeah. Well I'm like I don't know. I'm reserved for the worlds, so I don't know if I road world on the road. Yeah, hmm. dope. Okay, well, you should know whether you're going to worlds or not by what September. I know, but yeah, I just got to decide because I need to like get equipment. I don't want to get a bunch of equipment for cross. And not do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you couldn't still do cross if you made the worlds team. No, I could. I would just miss a couple races and then like. Is it really? I'm only going to do a handful, anyways. How does your road team feel about you doing cross? Like, do they like it or do they not like it? Uh, they don't care. Okay. Do they even know? Like, do they follow you <laughs> when you're not racing on the road? Um, I don't know. I've never done cross with this team. Okay. Mm. Gotcha. Huh. All right. You should just race on your road bike, man. With rim brakes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally you know, fine. you know, cross racers used to all use rim brakes like ten years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if you can imagine that, <laughs> dude, have rim brakes? Have rim brakes finally died on road? Or it is like the entire no, Scott's got rim brakes. I race on rim brakes. <laughs> yeah, but like everybody else, you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, no, like there were the some teams tour, in. Yeah. There were some teams in the tour this year. I think there were two teams that were still on rim brakes. Yeah. Yeah. Even Ineos, but, like, but even Ineos is like, they were holding out for so long. Didn't they fully go to disc brakes? I don't know. I, I mean, part of it's probably that I don't know how, that many bike manufacturers that still make like elite level road brake, rim sure. brake road bikes. Yeah. That's like most yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. If you, this, 
this is like one of the most like hotly debated topics on, uh, I don't know. I feel like cycling forums or whatever people arguing about whether it's mostly people who are rim brake fans arguing that disc brakes are slower. And then I feel like everyone else just kind of doesn't care. They're like, just give me a disc brake bike, whatever. Yeah. I don't really care. I mean, you can stop with both of them. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've had multiple times this year where I've, there's been a crash. I've come to a complete stop and then people with disc brakes have come flying into the back of me. (laughs) I think it's mostly like 95% user error. (laughs) fair enough yeah except in the wet then they suck with carbon wheels yeah Mm -hmm. then they suck but yeah other than that yeah user error all right yeah sweet let's cut it there all right later